podcast, Rick Pereira, Chief People Officer at Slice, talks about role of an HR in scaling a startup. So stay tuned. So welcome everyone uh, to Jobs of Future podcast. Today we have with us Rick Pereira. Uh, he's a Chief People Officer at Slice. And he joined Slice as the first hire in HR that has grown from 50 to 450 in two years uh, in three countries. Rick has a long track record of successful scaling startups while maintaining an agile, an entrepreneurial and collaborative culture. Prior to joining Slice, he was SVP head of people at CrowdTap and developer work culture recognized three years in a row as the best place to work in NYC per Cranes, New York as well as other accolades uh, celebrating a dynamic work environment. Prior to joining CrowdTap, Rick was a senior director of global talent acquisition at CheapoAir, during which time the company generated the most profit from the lowest employee turnover rate in the company history uh, and ranked as number two online travel agency surpassing Priceline, Orbitz and Travelocity. While CheapoAir, uh, Rick developed, implemented a global recruiting strategy across India, UK, Canada, uh, Vegas, and New York. Outside of Slice, Rick has continued uh, advising startups on various talent and people projects. Rick is currently developing a nonprofit army of mentors, which connect veterans with people leaders in their desired industry to foster career mentorship and assist with re-entry to the civilian workforce. With that, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michelle. Great to be here, man. Awesome. So uh, let's talk about your journey. I think uh, what I found fascinating, definitely you had a diverse um, uh, background in working in various uh, corporate templates and now startup scaling it from uh, pretty much like garage to, to a successful. Um, so why don't you walk us through your journey, if anything I'm missing out and, 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 and how, what brought you to this point? Yeah, so um, thank you for the intro. I mean, um, I think you nailed a lot of it. I started off my career at, as a credit analyst at Bank of America thought I wanted to be in finance and soon realized um, I'm not a number cruncher. I, I had a personality, loved enjoying people, jumped into their um, campus recruiting, helped launch their campus recruiting um, with Rutgers University. Um, from that, went into the agency side on the recruitment side, was recruited by a company called Robert Half, was there for a couple of years, and then actually launched my own agency um, in 2008. And probably the worst time ever, Rishal, to, to launch an agency. That's when we had the Lehman collapse. All my clients were on the hedge fund side, um, which decided our agency to, to pivot. And, and it was probably the best thing that could have happened to us. It was during the crunch. We started jumping into the, um, startups and worked with startups here in New York City and also uh, in San Francisco. In San Francisco, helped launch a lot of early stage startups from the ground up, companies like LimeWire. Um, and then from there, um, I actually had two partners that I worked with. One wanted to get back into football coaching became now the, the head of football recruiting co um, at the University of Michigan. At that same time, that's when Cheapo Air um, reached out to me and kind of Cheapo Air had a great story, a uh, founder, a $5,000 investment that was looking to quadruple the size pretty rapidly. Um, so it brought me in to really look, um, own their global talent acquisition. So basically from the ground up, um, helped build out their, their office in India and in London, also Las Vegas and Canada, um, really helped build that. And then once we got to a spot, I had that startup feel, entrepreneur. I had to get back into an early stage company. That's when I joined CrowdTap, um, helped launch that business and, and, and bring it from quadrupled in, within, in size within one year. Um, had a great time and kind of where I had, what I hang my hat on at CrowdTap, uh, I always tell people it's easy to hire 10 people. It's either easy to hire 10,000 people, but how do you keep the environment the same when it's small? Um, and kind of at CrowdTap, we were able to grow quickly, but also we, we had a great dynamic culture. We moved best places to work in New York City. We won a bunch of awards through Mashable. Um, great environment. And um, decided to kind of let um, leave that at CrowdTap at that time. Business wasn't the greatest. Um, we left. I left and kind of launched at the time the Army of Mentors um, and met with some of the people here at Slice. And funny thing is when Slice was courting, courting me on Bishal, um, they asked me like, Hey, like, are you ready to get into a startup again? And my whole thing was like, Oh no, like I know what startups are like. It, it's, I say it's like dog years, Michelle. So one year experience at a startup is like seven years at a big company. Right. Um, 
and to join the company and kind of help scale that up right now. Interesting. And and tell me your day to day nowadays. Like what do what does a, a typical day at uh, a Slice looks like? Yeah, I think a typical day at Slice. I mean, like you, you hit on, um, we're in we're in three different countries, four different offices, scaling quickly. Um, scaling in, in Macedonia, which not a lot of companies are out in Macedonia right now. So really coming in, huge, passionate employee base in Macedonia, um, but really putting things together. So like everything from our first performance review or performance management out in Macedonia that we're launching currently, helping build out the exec team here in New York City, uh, continue to build out our senior leadership team. Um, so my focus is on, number one, bringing the best talent out there. Secondly, giving them all the tools and resources and making sure that we're retaining that talent. So that's a very high level. Interesting. And, and, and what is Slice, uh, if, you can, if you can walk us through, what do you, what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so, so we basically um, become the technology and marketing arm for, um, for local independent pizzerias. So think about Domino's. And Domino's has had some great success the last eight years because they had a CEO came in and said that they're no longer a pizza company, but a tech company that delivers pizza and started building a technology around it. Um, they've been wildly successful. The last eight years, they've out, uh, their stock has outgrown Google, Apple, Amazon, tech, uh, Netflix, some of these top blue chip tech stocks, and all because of that. So what we're doing is, is giving that ammunition back to local independent pizzeria. So the mom and pop shops that don't have the resources to build out the technology and the marketing that have been, but have a much more loyal fan base, um, but just been losing out to the convenience side, we're giving that those tools to these local independent pizzerias to help um, combat big pizza. Um, so that, that's where we're, so currently we have over 10,000 pizzerias that we partnered with, local independent pizzerias. Um, there's another 40,000 out there that we're, we're continuing to try to partner and then building that sticky product uh, so they can't live without Slice. Interesting, nice. And um, so one thing we, we talked about, and I, I think one thing that I find really fascinating about your, your background is um, that the very fact that you grew a company from 50 to 450, and I think this that's a very um, that's a very tangible age for any, any any corporation, right? So scaling, so I think at early on, just trying to figure out what's going on to a point where okay, we have figured out and and, and you're scaling. So tell us about the journey. Tell us some some of the some of the learning that you could share that has helped you, and and some of the some of the sort of red herring or some of the um, opportunities that you see that that you think that businesses should should keep and tap on so what should yeah. take so with scaling first of all listen you have to be okay with failing and failing fast i think when you scale at startups because playbook that i had from cheap aware or the playbook that i have from crowdtap is, is yes you can take parts of it but it's going to be unique um so you have to come in and number one is, is be okay with failing and you're going to fail you're going to have to learn from it and then iterate from that um, the big thing with scaling a company and making sure that you're um, bringing on and keeping that right culture that you had when you were small, and it, it's, it's, it's all about the people you bring on board. Um, and it's all about the um, making those tough calls of maybe you're having a really smart person, but if they don't fill into your, your core values of what you're looking for in the company, and I also take that a step further. For any startup, I look for core values. And there's three things I always look for anybody that's coming on board to making sure that we keep that culture alive. One, is it an, um, is this person understand the ownership mentality? I think this is very key of coming in and understanding like, hey, you can't say like, that's not on my job description. It's, it's how many hats can you wear? How can I get this done? So getting that, that mindset from that person. Number two is a big thing is agile, right? Like you can work on something at a startup for six months and then decide, well, we have to go in a totally different direction. And not a lot of people are okay with that. People say they're okay with change, but can you be okay with that? And then the third, which is probably the most critical piece, listen, we have some people here at Slice with some dynamic backgrounds that started their own companies, went to great schools, or worked with some big companies. But if they can't be collaborative and understand like, hey, like I have to come in and also I have to need to push the person next to me um, and making sure that if that person succeeds, knowing that like that person succeeds, the rest of the company will succeed with it. So I think very critical of scaling any, any startup, any company. And it's, it's looking at who you're bringing on board. And do they fit into your company core values and your personal core values too? Interesting. And and if you um, if you recall your early days uh, when when the company is small size to a typical day now, how has uh, what has changed? Like what 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 do you say? Like uh, 
that some of the stark difference in, in 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 your job role that has evolved we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast yeah so i think it's it's a lot of change management i think when you're small um when you're small and you get you get to this bigger sizes and especially if people haven't worked in a startup before and understand like things change rapidly like mm-hmm. there's new people, new people that come on board um there's new c levels that join up there's new um, senior leadership so i think in the early stages my thing was like how can we ramp up hiring how do we how do we continue to build out the team and then right now it's like okay like how do we continue to build out that team but then also like how do we communicate with the current team the core that's been here for a while and saying like hey look, we're going to bring on the senior person because they're going to help us get to that next level um, and kind of having that communication with change management of like things are going to change and how does your role adapt and then having the right and again if you go, it goes back to like if, if you brought the right people on board a lot of people will look at that as an opportunity of like hey like now i get to bring on this senior person and he or she is going to be able to get me to personally to a, a, a better level or a better level on my personal side interesting and and from from your vantage point and i think you are assisting several several other startups in their journey as well what are some of the things that you think um, that you see other startups or, or other companies are doing wrong when it comes to scaling up like what are some of the some of the opportunities that that you see that you see many businesses fall into I see this a lot um, when I hear like, hey, recruiting is always on. It's always on. But like you also have to be mindful of like, are you hiring this person for a short term problem? That's a two month thing. And then what's going to happen in six months when you're a different stage company? So hiring too fast. I see that across the board. It's like, let's just, let's just bend like, oh, yeah, this person doesn't fit into everything we want from a core value standpoint or from a culture standpoint. Let's just bring them on because we have a problem right now. So I think it's being hiring quickly. But it's hiring smartly too, and making sure that this person is is a long term investment as the company, and looking at every employee as a long term investment. Interesting. And and what about um, your peers uh, who are who are at right now at a mid scale? What do you see that um, some of the things that that businesses typically do wrong that they should they should keep and keep an eye on? What they do wrong, um, I think it's. Sometimes at a mid-scale company, you want to protect the employees and not being completely transparent because you think they, okay, like they won't understand or they don't understand this. And like employees are very intelligent; they're going to understand. They're going to read signals. And when you're not saying and not being transparent enough, um, that's when rumors start. That's when people start getting concerns. And even sometimes I've seen where there's no issue on something becomes an issue because you're not transparent. So I think that's a big thing. Even why I joined Slice. I mean. Our CEO and founder is transparent, probably to a fault sometimes, even too transparent. But I, I think like that's what you need to do. Um, you're going to lose very talented people if you're not upfront with them. And sometimes it's just it's, it's being upfront, but then also giving context and saying why this is this is X, Y, and Z. So I, I think I do see that, and that's mid-stage company and also large-stage company. It's like let's be let's not be that transparent. Interesting. And and what do you see? Um, the role of technology has changed the way the, the way HR HR is sort of transforming now. Like what what's your take on how HR is using technologies nowadays uh, to help? Uh... Yeah, I can speak for ourselves. I mean, we embrace it, right? Like I, I think it, it makes our jobs easier. We can, we're able to communicate better with technology. Um, a lot of companies or bigger bigger stage companies that I've um, consulted with. They always say technology sometimes is a distraction. Like, hey, like we use Slack, like maybe people won't be working, but like there's a positive side of Slack. And like if we can use technology for the good of it and then communicate, like, hey, like what are some of the traps or negatives that can come from it? Um, but like Slack and, and being able to communicate to a whole team real time and not have to try to grab somebody and, and have a conversation or a meeting uh, and just get a simple answer, I think you have to embrace it. Um, so that's like one tool from like, I think that that has a huge impact on the communication side of it. Okay, and 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 I think uh, one thing that that we hear a lot about from from uh, HR professionals now. So in olden days, big office, you all sort of just get into that building. Anytime you sort of walking from enter to your cubicle, you'd see the culture. You see how the cubicles are baked. You see the entire culture is very evident. So there's a retraining going on every day. You're walking through that aisle. Um, to to your cubicle, 
But nowadays, um, you said you are in three location now, and and I think I'm I'm assuming many of your workers are remote. How do you like? What are some of your thoughts on how um, you spread the similar culture or sort of summer similar strength on 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 sort of culture quality among the workers that are working? What are some of the some of the tricks or hacks that you could share? Yeah, no. So I, I I've seen that, and like the, the trouble with that sometimes when you're in three different locations or four different locations they start operating as four different companies, right? Like mm. what happens in this company, mm. this location, in that location. I, like when I joined Slice, I, I stress culture parity and making sure like, hey, like what are the benefits that we're offering here? We need to offer something similar in, 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 in these other environments. And then there's also other things of, of helping with communication. So one thing when I joined Slice, um, I launched this thing called, it's show and tell. And show and tell was an ability for um, anybody in, in, in the um uh, in the company to come come up there and actually speak about what they're working on. So it could be an entry level position, it could be the most senior level position. And people started seeing, okay, like, whoa, I didn't know that this department actually helps me later on and, and, and I can tap in there as a resource. And people then also gave you pride of like, hey, this is what I'm working on and this is what I'm trying to get accomplished and, and sitting in front of the whole the whole company. So we did that. Um, we also did a lot of um, getting to know each other. We use this, uh, an app on, on Slack called Donut. And Donut, what it does is it randomly selects, I don't know if you've used it, Vishal, mm-hmm. randomly selects two people that haven't, um, that aren't in similar Slack channels and sets up meetings for them. Um, and just having that com- conversation with somebody uh, across the globe, different different, um, different group, understanding like, what are, they, what are they working on? What are some of their challenges? And just help the line of communication is the big thing. Um, and then, like I said, culture parity, like making sure that what we're doing in New York City is the same thing that we're doing in, uh, in Ocreed and also in Deaver, Macedonia, and then also now in Belfast. Interesting. And, and um, what about the, the, local, the local culture? So I think one of the things that, uh, that, that, that we are seeing now, because there's a diversity on, on or at least geolocation that, that many businesses are expanding into. How do you ensure that um, you appreciate the local culture as well as create this corporate culture that embraces that? So what are some of the some of the things that you could share around that? Yeah, so I, I will tell you, when I joined Slice, my first request was I'm going to Macedonia in the first week. Mm. And I went out there, um, met with both our GMs at Macedonia. We, we brought on a head of HR and kind of that head of HR is kind of my, my boots on the ground, understands like what ticks out there and what, like, what motivates people in the U.S. might be very different than a different location. So understanding what motivates, understanding the culture of other companies out there. How do we, and like also seeing like what are some of the opportunities from a culture standpoint that we can then, when we go to Macedonia, like if XYZ company is not offering this, can we offer that? Can we make a competitive advantage? So I think it's going out there and even in the first, I was there for 10 days the first time, um, learned so much, um, tried to have as many conversations with everybody um, and just embracing yourself in that culture. Like, listen, I can go on Wikipedia, I can read a bunch of things, but until you talk to people and the employees there, you're not going to understand like what ticks them and what, what motivates and what kind of also, what are some of the challenges and some of the things that we can kind of reverse that and, and kind of leverage it for our recruiting brand out there. Interesting. So um, I think in Slice case, I think one, one that is very typical um, that, um, so you deal with, local pizzerias right so they have their own again they have their own local culture their local taste their local representation and then i think i remember in one of one of the case um so kayak used to tell their engineers to take customer calls right because they want the engineers to feel for who the customer is and what their pain is so hopefully they can they can solve that what is what is uh sort of a parallel that you can draw um, in case of slice where sort of how the employee can appreciate because you're an app and many times it's 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 difficult to figure out the local sort of the, the local essence of of, of, of a pizzeria that you represent what are some of the thoughts that uh, that you could share that that has helped you um, yeah. your folks we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast so one thing that we do here just so we understand the challenges and the pain from the customer is we do a slice safari we call it here 
and we'll we'll take new employees usually five or seven of them and go to local independent pizzerias that we work with and kind of just sit down with the owner understand like what are some of the things we're doing right what are some of the things we're doing wrong like what are some of the areas of opportunity and it's 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 like and I, I guess kayak had the same thing when people come back they have so much emotion of like hey like we can help x y and z and you understand the pain and once you understand the pain you then like put yourself in that customer's shoes and you're like okay like Rick might have these suggestions of what can help this pizzeria, but again, until I'm there and understand like what are the challenges, then it becomes your challenges, your problems that you want to tackle. So we try to add that into the onboarding um, here at Slice. Interesting, and I think um, you're a technology company, uh, yep. and and solving a very critical problem on on on, on sort of these these local pizzerias. So when you're a technology company, right now, if if you look at uh, technologies. Most of the technologies are going through their transformative times now. So mm-hmm. many of the technologies are just getting disrupted. There's a lot of technology that, that are thrown at, at, at the businesses to use and chew on. As a, as, as a people head, how do you ensure that um, your folks are attuned to this sort of this rapidly changing way and how it has made your job harder or, or easier? Like what, what, can you, what can you share about that? Wait, can you repeat the question, Vishal? Sorry. So, so basically, it's, you're a technology company. And yep. we are seeing a lot, lot of technologies nowadays um, that is sort of uh, impacting the technology landscape. How do you, as a cheap, as a people head, ensure that your workers are attuned to, they are, they are going through this transformation and they're getting updated on what's going on and, and, and how do you keep them ahead of the curve? Well, I, I would say specifically, if I, if I understand the question, it's like the compassion to the customer. Um, listen, I think we are able to kind of show numbers and statistics and showing like how many local independent pizzerias are shutting down because they haven't adapted into the digital age and then showing on the other flip side, people that have started working with slice and how much it's impact their business and how they're like, I mean, fortune wrote an article, um, about slice and they had one, uh, independent pizzeria and he was talking about how he was able to kind of put his family through college because of slice and the impact that they had on family. So like it's showing that like slice works and when slice works it not only allows them to survive but also thrive in the environment that they're in right now um so it's it's helping local independent pizzerias and again it's not helping these big corporations and helping it's it's helping real real people um have an impact of taking taking their kids to dance school or being able to pay for college and having these little things so i think that's how we embrace the mission um on the technology side, how do we stay relevant on the technology side? I think the big thing is like, listen, here at Slice, we offer learning and development and training on reimbursement to every employee. And we, we push them of saying like, hey, like anything you want to learn, do you want to learn Excel? Do you want to go Java? Do you want to learn something that's not in technology, but just continuously learning? And like once employees see that you're investing in them and you believe in them, the, the ROI on that investment is, is, is through the roof. Interesting, and I think we have seen um, in 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 this in learning learning and development sort of initiatives to help people grow that um, many time employees don't use their incentives, and I yep. think it's it's and, and uh, I remember like uh, last week I'm talking to I was talking to one of the pharmaceutical uh, uh, big pharmaceutical company and and their anxiety is that their folks are not um, utilizing these benefits. And sort yep. of growing, and 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 as a one of the people head or or L and D head, their their anxiety was, hey, how can I ensure that people sort of use these capabilities uh, as as an incentive? What's what is your take? Like, how what have you seen, and and how would you think? Um, what 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 have you tried, and and how do you ensure that people are getting updated, and and they're getting sort of keep they keep on sort of growing. I, I think it's always a challenge that you have these benefits, you put so much investment into them, and, and then sometimes the employee base um, doesn't use it. I found it, it's usually just communication. It's, 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 it's continuously communicating what the benefit we have and what you can use it for, um, and continuously using it. Um, is it, I mean, I'm sorry, continuously communicating it is, is the best way to do it, um, and, and telling people like, hey, you can use this for X, Y, Z, or you can use it for that thing. Um, but I think that's something that's an area of opportunity, I think, for everybody on the HR side. It's like, how do we continuously communicate? And it's easy to say, like, oh, they're not using this benefit. 
but maybe we only, we only talked about it in the onboarding session and maybe you never mentioned it again and people don't know that or, or they forgot about it. It's, it's their first day and, and going through an onboarding. So I think it's, it's, it's just over communicating these learning and development benefits um, and, and pushing people to use it. So I've also seen the people that do use it, it becomes a great retention tool too. They, they see how much the company's investing it um, and, and they, they say like, hey, like I'm going to be there because they believe in me and they want to continue to invest. Interesting. And I think one other thing that, that, that we hear a lot about um, that um, innovation per employee sort of metric. And I think we, we, we hear a lot that when the company is smaller, you are like everyone is running wild. They are creating a lot of innovation. Uh, uh, and then as company keeps on growing, the processes are getting structured, the mindset is getting formed and, and the innovation is sort of, um, you see some deplete or, or dip in, 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 in sort of innovation and innovative ideas that is being generated. How, how has, like, what, what's your thought on that? How has you, uh, your, your company uh, worked towards creating or keeping the employees, uh, keep innovating? Yeah, so I think there's two things. One, um, don't just put a process to have a process. And uh, what that does is people start seeing it as loopholes. I got to jump through this hoop. I got to jump through this hoop. I got to jump through this hoop. Um, and then ultimately, okay, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just not going to keep that idea to myself. Mm-hmm. So minimize process. And again, you have to have some process, but minimize it when possible is the big thing. And then the second thing is embracing a culture that is failing fast. And a lot of companies say that, like, oh, let's just go out there and fail fast. Um, but no, like sometimes it's like when somebody makes a mistake, you jump all over that employee and say, why did you make that call? Why? And like, and then that person next time, like, why am I going to make a decision? Why am I going to be creative and try to think of something? Because all it's going to happen is Rick's going to jump down my throat. So I think it's, it's really when somebody comes in and says, hey, uh, I, I, I tried this process or I tried this new project and ended up not working. I think it's, it's asking, okay, what did we learn from it? And I think that's like a normal question you should ask right off the bat. And then again, it's different if the person continuously makes the same mistakes, but if it's, hey, why did you do that? And what did you learn from it? Okay, what's the next step? Then you, you, you started building trust with that person of like, hey, I can take some risks. And if, if I fail, it's okay. And some of the best creative ideas are the ones that people have taken a risk that seems crazy that ends up working out. So building a culture that is okay to fail fast is, is a big thing. Interesting. And I think uh, one of the other things that, that, that we hear a lot is um, difficulty in attracting good talent, right? So, um, and culture to to certain degree play an important role in, in making sure the pipelines are always full. But I think um, what we are seeing, at least from the, from the technology point of view, that since technology is so, it's expanding and there are a lot of avenues now that businesses are want to test in and how, like what are some of your hacks that you could share that has helped you attract good talent um, to work um, and, and, and grow with your company? Yeah, it, it, and I will tell you, it's not a LinkedIn message. It's not um, a job posting. I think it's it's building the brand and building the environment that when you have a talented person that comes in for an interview, they just feel it. Um, and they, they feel it from the employees about their passion about what they're working on. Um, so having, I mean, I've been fortunate to work with companies that are mission-driven. So how do we build out the brand because of mission driven and how much impact we're having in the organization? Um, so focusing on like building out the right recruiting brand for your company. So like who, who are you helping? Who are you solving for? Build, making sure that like that's tight lipped and then put yourself on the other side like and work with the pitch of like, hey, if somebody called me today while I was at Slice and said X, Y, Z, would I be interested in having a conversation? So like working on that pitch, but then from the pitch, it's understanding like, okay, like, What's the environment that I want to build and how is this going to attract top talent? And sometimes the best idea is, is going to your talented people and be like, hey, why did you join Slice? What was it for? And so like our recruiting brand is always evolving. It's never stagnant. It's like we're going to continue to change. And, and it's usually we hired a great person. Why did you join Slice? And they tell us X, Y, Z. Okay, like that's where we need to invest and put more resources to build that out if we want to continue to get great people like that employed. Interesting. And um, that's interesting. And and what what's your take on creating an organization that is like pretty much future safe? Like, how do you ensure that as you're going through a transformative time? Because I think um, right now, sure, um, 
when things are going, when things are rosy, it's scaling. Everything looks good, right? Whatever you throw at the wall, it works somehow. But when, um, when sort of uh, the momentum stops and then sort of the, there was a real, there's a real test on the system where the system can sort of generate. How do you ensure that you are attracting talent that, that, is, that is creating your company for the future? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Well, I think it's it's focusing on the mission and making sure that this mission will impact employees that are currently here and then in the future. And then also having a strategy and vision that everybody in the organization across the board can say, if this is an intern or if this is an executive, what is our, what is our mission? Like, what are we trying to do? Um, having that and then also something that has an impact on either changing people's lives or having an impact on anything that is a positive reinforcement. I think that's what you want to focus on. So that's how you make it future safe. But like, listen, startups are going to have some ups, startups are going to have some downs. But if you can then figure out like, okay, like, we're gonna have this down, but like, what's our what's our what's our golden star, and how are we getting there? Um, so I think it's it's number one mission, two, then it's like communicating, like how do we are how are we how are we living our core values on a daily basis? And you could walk in Michelle and you can see like, oh wow, like they're having an impact on local independent um, small businesses, and I think that's something that resonates with everybody that I've talked to and continue to like. So like, look for what would resonate with current employees and then also future employees. Interesting. So if, if you imagine, say, if, if anyone is going to say very early days in Slice or very early days in a startup with 25, 30 people and their job is to, again, get to the company and scale, what would you suggest them? What would, what would you suggest them as their playbook? Like how would they, what are some of the say top three things that they should do on, on, on their first week at the job? Well, just, just repeat the first, the phone cut out here. I didn't hear the beginning. So, so basically, if if um, you see um, any other person or anyone anyone who's watching and or listening to this podcast, and they are joining something like early days of Slice, 25, 30 people company, what would you suggest them? Like, what would be your one to five step or 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 really tactical steps that they should take care of in their first week or first month in their job? Yeah. So you want me to reveal my secrets, Michelle? Sure. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first, it's number one: be a sponge. First, the first thirty days, um, talk to every employee that you have at the company. Talk with the founder. Understand like what is the strategy? What are some areas of opportunity? So help you kind of craft. Like, you can't solve the problem if you can't identify the problem. So one step one: identifying like what are some of the challenges? What are we doing really well? What are some areas of opportunities that we should focus on? One. And then the second thing is look at talent. Like look at look across the board and understand where are the gaps in the org. And 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 also like not just current state, but like six months, a year, once you have like that vision and strategy, like what's the plan to go against that? And kind of like, and then from there, like understanding, okay, like from a talent pool, like where do we have to continue to grow? And then it's it's devise that plan. It's it's like, do we have the right people in place? If not, do we have to look outside? Like, where do we need to continue to hire? And then, like, I mean, focusing in, and I think this was, like, week one while I was here, core values. Like, what do we believe in? Like, what what is a company? What are we always going to strive for in every decision that we make in the organization to hire, to fire, or to continue to build out is, is, is falls on these core values? And that's a long process. That's not just putting up six words and kind of going through it's speaking with the organization, understanding like why do they join here? Why do they continue to work at Slice? And, and kind of identify and kind of roll those core values out to the organization because those are going to have a huge impact. Um, and I think those are like your training wheels that kind of like get, get going. And then from there, it's like, where, where are the areas of opportunity? Where are some of the, the challenges? Like, listen, when I joined Slice, I mean, we have radically changed in how we, how we are today. And you have to always be preparing for what are we going to be in two years from now? Like, what are we going to need two years from now? And, and can always look and focus. So, like, focus on today's problems, but know that today's problems aren't going to be tomorrow's problems. So, like, try to try to tackle those. 
Interesting. And and in your journey, like what are some of the some of the some of your struggles, if you can share? Like what 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 did you sort of uh, some of the struggles that you have seen and and how did you cope up with that? That would be really helpful. Yeah. Um. That's so many. I mean, like, listen, I got so much wrong before I got things right. Um. And I think it's, and this is probably like earlier days of cheap aware. Um. I realized like, and this is something that like every manager, every organization, you sometimes want to invest so much time and, and, and education with an employee that works on your team, right? And this person, you're like, hey, like this person is a C plus, but I'm going to be able to get them to an A. And you invest so much time in that person. And what happens? You end up losing that A that you could have spent that same time with that, that, that could have been an A plus ends up leaving the organization. So like, I feel like also, and that's why it's so much critical of who you bring on board. Um, because it, it's very tough to get a C to an A. Even if you do, you've now let so many other A's feel like they're not wanted and move on to a different organization. So I think that's the big thing. It's like, know that there's an investment in every single employee. And some people are, are, are going to be able to get, or, or you think they can get there. I think there's just the way you're going to end up the opportunity cost of, of that A player being that A plus player. So I think that's the Interesting. So I, I think... Um couple of couple of weeks back i was talking to one of the futurists and he's 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 basically he um tried to predict the future of work and all that so and i think he was um, sharing some of the interesting insights that um right now em- like employees many employees are uh, the collaboration is the key i think that's the bottom line is that many of the thing that is thrown at us when it, when we go into this this future we don't know how to solve and the answer is not to really solve it, but get it solved, right? How do you ensure sort of this 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 sort of um, culture of collaboration? Like, what are some of the, some of the things that that you did to to create this idea of hey, it's not your job, just get it done. It's just that's that's what's more important than you get doing it. Yeah. So I think it. Listen, collaboration is key. It helps with so many things of be able to move quicker. Um, number one, move quicker, move more effective. Um, and also the big thing is, is communication. Like when there isn't collaboration, Michelle, like somebody could be working on one thing and the person right next to them working on the exact same thing and we're, we're duplicating resources. I think how we attack here at Slice, um, even our objectives and our OKRs for the quarter, um, this last quarter has been the best collaboration that we've had. Every function has, has, has a representative in each objective that will give you their side of the story. So I think it's, or not their side, but like give you like, hey, how is that gonna impact engineering? Or how is that gonna impact marketing? How is that gonna impact HR? Um, and having everybody in that room, then you get buy-in too, right? Like collaboration, even though I'm not, let's just say my function is not, it's not driving anything there. But then I know, okay, why are we doing that? How do I communicate to, to the rest of the organization? How do I then one day when it's handed off to me, I know what's going on that I can kind of move forward. So I think how we stress collaboration here is, listen, we do with our objectives. We stress collaboration across the board. We stress communication across the board um, and making sure that it happens. Interesting. And and what do you think um, the future role of HR is uh, in creating sort of organization? We hear a lot about HR would go away. We, we hear a lot about um, AI that is sort of taking care of doing major major heavy lifting in the in in the HR side of the of the world, and we we know a lot about lean organizations uh, in which sort of leader probably would take care of many of these sort of problems. What's your take on getting into the future? Like what what is the future of HR from from your vantage point? Yeah, so listen, um, some people again will not embrace technology. You have to like I see it as a complementary um, HR and tools that you need to, to work with. Um, as long as there's people working in a company and organization, HR is going to be needed. Uh, I think there's so much on that's not on my job description that I kind of come in. I, I, I approach HR as a strength coach. And again, want to hire the most talented people. But then I have to work with that team of like, how do I get them, these talented people, to work together? And maybe they're used to being the, the person who made all the calls, and now they have to work with five people we're the same thing. I used to make their own calls at the other company. How do I get them to work together? Also, what do I focus on? Like, what's their weakness? What are some of their challenges? And how do I help strengthen that? Mm-hmm. So I think from an HR side, I think that's 
the whole HR thing has evolved. Um, what HR used to be 20 years ago, and I always say it is like a glorified hall monitor of attacking people when they're wrong or you did something wrong here. I see it as like, hey, like now we have to continue, like because you're a startup and you continue to grow, new faces come on board. How do you get people to work together better um, and, and solve problems before they are problems? So as long as there's people in an organization, I feel like HR is always going to be because it has that people factor um, and that knowing how to build relationships, knowing how people tick. Interesting. And and if if you need to recruit a, a chief people officer for say early days of or or, or or a startup of twenty five or thirty people, what would what would be that ingredient that you'll be looking for in in a chief people officer? Like what would you suggest? that um, those entrepreneurs, what would they look for in, in, in that yeah, guy so or gal? It depends on the size of the organization. I, I think for a startup, um, having a, a talent acquisition background, um, and sometimes bigger companies um, recruiting in HR used to be two separate departments. I don't believe in that. I believe in it being a, like a hybrid role. Um, just because when you, when you recruit somebody, you bring them on board, you understand what, what, what are their personal goals and what are some of their challenges? So you understand like you're the best person to kind of get them through that process and work with the company onboarding and hand it off to the manager. So I see those two roles like living together. Um, so I, I look at somebody that has a talent acquisition background, understands is not scared to go out there and recruit themselves um, and hire their exact team or hire their leadership team. But then the other thing is um, how do they, how do they communicate in relationships? And like a lot of my day at every startup I've been to is being um, kind of a marriage counselor, right? Like you have two talented people sitting there and they both have positive intent, but they're just continuously butt heads. So like, can this person come in and hire some great talent? But then also, how do they get that great talent to work together? Um, so I would say a blend of talent acquisition, and then also as somebody that like, and it's hard to weave out, but like, how is this person? Is there, are they a marriage counselor? Can they come in and kind of, when, when we have some bad days and the team's not feeling so well, can they come in and have that, um, um, the ability to get teams to work together? And then the third piece, listen, HR people, it is a tough role. Um, mm -hmm. And you're going to get beat up a lot. And there's a lot of bad days and you only hear the bad sometimes of like, Hey, I'm having a bad issue here. So, can you be positive? Like, can you come in and kind of like see what, what's the positive in every situation and get people excited? Because especially at a startup, you're going to get more wrong than you do right. Um, so can this person come in and kind of like, when you're having a bad day, pump you up kind of thing. Interesting. And, and what are some of the parallels that you could draw from, from your days at Cheapo Air? And, and what are some of the things that are different now? Like if, if you compare your, yourself working at, at that level and, and, and working at this level, what are some of the things that, that, that has really helped you do both the job properly? And what are some of the things that you think were different from that culture and this culture? Yeah, I mean, what's changed? I, I had better hair back then, number one. <laughs> um, but now I, I think what has changed, I mean, I think this role has totally changed even within the last six years. Um, and again, being that more of that people person that kind of get people and push them together to work together um, environment and continue to push themselves. Um, so like, what did I learn and what, what currently right now? Um, listen, I think there we, we grew quickly, man. We, we were 1600 people before you knew it. Mm. Um, and I think um, we also had some challenges of growing fast. Like there was my first in, internal gig. So understanding that like, Growing fast, yeah, you, you have butts in the seats, but sometimes those are the wrong people in, that, in those seats. So I think it's being mindful of who you're bringing on board, and I think we touched on it a little bit before. Are they solving today's problem, but they won't solve tomorrow's problem? So like asking yourself three times, like in six months, will this person be solving that same problem, or will they be able to kind of grow and, and solve the next problem? I think that's the big Interesting, interesting. So um, that's fascinating, and let's, let's spend a few minutes on your army of mentors. So yeah. what is that? And, and, and if you can walk us through. Yeah. So um, this is why I was at CrowdTap. I always thought there was something I, I wanted to give back. I was so fortunate that an impacted career, a career that's been impactful in my life and helped my family. Um, and I wanted to be able to kind of like, how can I make an impact? And first thought about like, hey, what am I good at? Uh, and there's not many things I'm good at, but in people in HR function is something that I strive in, especially in talent acquisition. 
and I had a huge network. So I was like, how, how can I connect my network of some really talented people with um, people that deserve it the most? And I, I looked at, um, this is, this is um, civilians, I'm sorry, veterans that have given a lot, but then after talking to a couple of veterans and knowing like the impact that they have and like how successful they are in certain roles or mm. how they were successful in, in the army or in the military, um, but then not be, not be able to transition to civilian life and not be able to communicate like, hey, I, I led about 150 people, like I'm a great manager, but not be able to communicate that. And on the flip side, like what I learned once I launched Army Mentors and connecting uh, veterans um, to people like myself, I realized it was actually more education side on the, on the people on the HR function of understanding, of, oh, wow, like I never thought this person would be good for this role. And I have a role at, at my company that they would be great for. So I think it, it also it helped um, veterans with simple things like job interviews, LinkedIn pages, um, resume building, mock interviews. Um, but then there's so much more impact on the people side of it, on the HR side of it, people realizing Hey, like I can actually put a veteran in, in this spot or that spot, um, and did that, and then Slice came around, and um, Slice and having two small babies um, kind of slowed down everything that was going on with Army and mentors. But it's something that, like in the future, I want to continue to build and continue to work on. Um, but it's had such a little impact for that amount of time. Uh, and I was told, I told my wife at the time, if I can help one person, um, it would be worth it. Um, and been able to help more than one oh, one person, so I'm, I'm actually happy about it. Interesting. No, I think <clears throat> I do appreciate you for uh, such a wonderful cause, and and definitely I would I would urge our, our our sort of people to see and if they can if they can help out and probably can contact you and yeah, see if they can take that. it forward. Interesting. So um, that's fascinating. And now <clears throat> we're the late uh, tail end of the conversation, and I'm going to spend a few minutes on on you uh, as, as in, in your professional journey. So. If I would say that, what are some of the qualities, say three qualities that has helped you stay what you are and, and, and that has really helped you through thicks and thins and, and stay what you are today? What would you attribute your success to which qualities and what would those be? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. One, um, the always learning, right? Like, uh, I don't think I ever walk in uh, in a day and, and like, hey, I have everything figured out. Even if it's, a, it's something that I've done before, it's like, what can I do? How can I get better at it? Um, I, I, I always look at like, hey, like, look at the TED Talk. I read articles about people that are in this function and what are some of the challenges. Um, I try to reach out to my network and, and say like, hey, like, done this 10 times. Am I doing it right? Like, it, is there something that you would add? So like building, building a good network that you, can, that you can feed off of and kind of like get those uh, questions that you want to answer, I think is, is a big thing. Um, second thing, and this is something I learned, I mean, um, from my brother-in-law who played football at UConn, he actually told me this one time and, um, it was called the, the term is get the ghost and get the ghost means that there's always somebody out there that's going to work harder for, for, like when you're out drinking, they're, they're out studying when you're out doing something fun, they're, they're working hard. Somebody's always looking to, to, to take your job. So I think that is the mindset I always have of like, hey, like, what can I do extra? Like, what can I do? Like, never re resting on laurels, I think is the, the big thing. Um, and then the third piece um, that's helped me where, get where I am today is, listen, I, I sometimes say this in a joking thing. I think I'm, I'm so stupid and naive sometimes that I think I can get stuff done that I actually am able to get done. That most people would be like, let me analyze this. Let me figure this out. I mean, and then it comes analysis, a paralysis of analysis, um, and you overthink it. Um, my whole thing is, okay, I'm going to be able to solve this. I'll be able to tackle this problem, and I'm okay if I'm going to fail because I'm going to get there quicker than the next person. So I think it's sometimes just being naive that you can get things accomplished, even when they seem like this great, huge task. How do you break it down? How do you make it like 10 different steps and start checking off those 10 steps? Um, I think is, is, is kind of where how I got here today. It's it's like, no, I can do that. Why not me? Interesting. And and one thing we, we ask our guests to share is some of their favorite reads or some of the books that they have read. So yeah. do you have any any book uh, for our listeners and viewers um, that you could be want to share? Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I don't read fiction. I read self, a lot of self-improvement books. Um, the, the, the book by Lazaro um, called Work Rules, 
I think has had such a big impact. He talks about how he brought Google from early stages and kind of like some of the challenges that they had in the beginning and how they became who they are today. Um, I see a lot of things similar is that I went through at Chief Aware, same thing at CrowdTap and same thing here at Slice. And also some of it validates of like, oh, wow, he thought the same thing I thought. Um, so I love that book. Um, something I would definitely highly recommend. Um, other thing too, and I think this goes for HR people or anybody across the board, Amy Cuddy's uh, TED Talk has probably been the most impactful in my life, listening to that TED Talk. And she talks about um, a lot about just um, power stances and, and, and confidence and, and, having, and, and stepping up. And one of her, her big things is not fake it till you make it, it's fake it till you become it. Um, and, and I think that's a big thing. It's like that imposter syndrome falls in everybody of like, hey, should I be here? I'm not good enough for this role. And that falls into everything. It's like getting past that mindset is huge and impactful. So I think those are big things. I listened to um, Jocko podcast, who's, who's a big one. Um, so I'm, I'm big into those. So I would prescribe Jocko podcast, your podcast, TED Talk, and then also work roles. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, beautiful. And um, now last but not the least. So if you want our listeners and viewers to take away something from this conversation, like what would what would that be? What would be your closing remark uh, for our listeners and viewers? Yeah, so I think closing remarks is, listen, um, is when you walk into a company in this role, um, the, the big takeaways is do not think it's like, hey, my experience or my, like pattern recognition is great, but thinking that you can come in with the same playbook that you had from your other organization and think it's going to work here will never work. Go in, assess, have conversations with people, understand what are some of their challenges, and also push back when they tell you like there's problems, like how do we solve this together? Uh, and walk in with that mindset. And then the big thing is like, look at the mission, look at, look at the people that have joined your organization and why they've joined it. And that helps you build your recruiting brand. And that understands like, okay, like how do we, how do we craft the message to continue to keep our best top talent here and invest in our best top talent? And then how do we in the future continue to build on that? Interesting. With that, um, thank you so much, Rick, for uh, for sitting with us, uh, sharing your journey, and and helping our people understand how they can scale um, their organization. And and thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Happy to help. I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it Then I go into the booth feeling nervous Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain